We shouldn't split up. I mean, there could be more patrols out there. No, we should never split up. Oh, come on. Splitting the party always works so well in Dungeons & Dragons. Especially down here. Especially down here. What possibly could go wrong? So the party, the fish, that flump over there. Sorry. Is there really a flump? No, I just made that up. But then I made every up, everything up, so there we go. Would this be a good time to cast Control Water and just do the whole Moses thing? Sure, why not? I think it would have been better if you did before Arlen got a complete soaking, but... <laughs> Chapter 160, Cavefish Shashimi. Okay. So at the end of the last episode, um, you guys had beat up on a bunch of little tiny helpless dwarves. Well, helpless, crazy, subterranean, uh, wacky dwarves, I must say. Uh, but uh, how, actually, that's a good question. How did that go? Did did you uh, did you as players feel that your characters were were menaced during that last fight? No. Mm-mm. I mean, I felt kind of useless because oh, I have two ranged weapons and everyone else is like throwing fireballs across the room. But but yeah, went okay. And and that's kind of how your um players felt too i mean you basically just beat up on them it was it was really a, it's a cakewalk and uh, uh obviously uh, you understand that the the darrow are kind of um off their rocker to a bit but uh yeah you basically just beat up on them so it was uh it was a bit anticlimactic but uh this is where we find you you guys are in the ruined darrow city uh, surrounded by a bunch of little Daryl corpses all lying on the ground. Uh, this couple of them are gently smoking from the fireball. Um, and uh, there you are. Do they have any valuables on their bodies? Well, you can give them a search and see. I'll give a quick search. Maybe there's some, like, underdark coinage we can get. Yeah. Or perhaps figure out if this is the force that sacked this town or not. Okay, and... Um, Noan, you kind of riffle through their pockets, and most of them just have junk. Um, there's things like, you know, polished pieces of bone and shiny rocks and, uh, you know, little knots of yarn and things like that. This is um, my kind of town. But you, you do end up finding 39 gold pieces between all of them that they had here and there in their, in their uh, pouches and so forth. But uh, mm-hmm. not, uh, not all that much in the way of, of uh, coinage. So, does the gold, I mean, do the gold pieces look like surface gold, or, or they, they have some other sort of marking? Because I know yeah, they do not. different city-states have their own coins. Yeah, um, they're, uh, they're definitely gold coins, but they are not any of ones you've seen on the surface ever before. We should, prob- we should probably spend these 
if we have cause in the underdark and not try to use any of our surface coins just yet. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Okay, and what uh, uh, what do you want to do next here? Well, I, two things I'd like to do. First of all, I'd kind of like to walk over to Cotter and uh, open up the bag of holding, and I'm going to pull out a case of bolts, and I'm going to pull out the... It's a crossbow. I have a crossbow. I can't remember if it's a light or a heavy. I think it's a heavy crossbow. I'd say, do you want to use this in case next time this happens again? Keep it on your person? I could try, yeah. I don't know if I'd be that great with it, but it's just an idea. Yeah, I'll carry it around. You you didn't you know, used to practice you're, the crossbow. You'd be greater than if you're sitting there doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll take that. I haven't used it in many months, and it's just sitting in the thing in the in the bag. So I don't know if it'll come a time when you'll actually need it, or if you'll just end up carrying it around even longer, not using it. But at least you'll have the option. Yeah, I should have thought about that after our fight with that weird many-eyed creature thing. Yeah. It's just a mundane crossbow with normal ammunition. It's nothing special, but it at least will fire at range. Yep. Okay, good. So you're standing in the middle of the uh, ruined Darrow town. And uh, yeah, you did have a good question there, um, Noan. Um, are these the raiders that raided this town, or are they... Uh, Defenders defending the town, so um, you might Can see. Can I see if I know enough about them to determine that? Um, well, actually, give me an insight wow. check. That'd be a fourteen. Okay. Um, well, just judging by the fact that the doorways and so forth are dwarven height and, and not uh, some other creature's height, uh, you're going to guess that the you know this was a dwarven town of some sort. Obviously, it could be Darrow, it could be Doragar, could be actually be real honest to goodness dwarves. Um, but, uh, just the, the way that they were, uh, set and pounced and ready to go, uh, kind of made it more, seem like they were familiar with the terrain. So either they're, this is their town or, um, they've been, you know, perched here for some time, uh, waiting to ambush somebody, but that doesn't seem to make much sense either because obviously the town's ruined. How, how many people would be coming through? So, uh, you, you know, the, the, Signs point to this being maybe their town that they were defending. And additionally, if they were ready for an ambush, that kind of makes me think that it's not uncommon for people to come this way. I mean, if this were forgotten and way off the beaten path, you know, they wouldn't be ready to, to set that trap. That seems logical, yeah. Um, so do you guys want to take a look around and see if you can figure out what's going on here? Yeah, I guess let's continue yeah. to the town hall. Okay, well, you're building. standing out, outside of what seemed to be the main building and the whole thing, but why doesn't everybody give for me four investigation checks and then tell me how many of them uh, are higher than 13? Two. Did you say 13 or 14? 13. None of my investigation checks were above 13. All okay. of mine were. Three okay. of mine were. One. Okay, so um, no one is, uh, you know, pokes through all the stuff, but uh, just ends up with a bunch of, you know, dry, dusty, desiccated, um, you know, cluttered hovels that don't seem to have anything. Um, 
and uh, unfortunately, uh, Cotter doesn't do too much better. But um, Adri and Craval and uh, Arlen, you guys actually come across some interesting things. Um, Adri, you find a bunch of snapped arrows. Uh, they're ebony shafts with uh, black feathers that are uh, actually could probably be uh, some sort of uh, subterranean creature that's actually not a bird. And you recognize those as the feathers of drow archers. And um, then Arlen, mm -hmm. you also find um, a uh, curiously well-crafted short sword that uh, got dropped apparently at some point in time. There's a, a puddle of blood that's long, long, long dried beside it, um, as if perhaps the owner of it uh, dropped it as they fell. Um, and uh, when you take that to Adri, she also uh, identifies that as a, a drow short sword, a drow manufacturer. And then Kraval, you find the most interesting thing in the whole group, a uh, small iron holy symbol of a spider. And it just feels, I mean, just gives, gives you this uh, kind of almost repulsive feeling. Not, not repulsive like disgusting, but repulsive like as in magnets. It's like you, you, you don't even want to touch it. It just kind of you know, pushes itself away from you. Okay, I'll just, okay, I, I won't actually touch it. I'll like look at it and sort of like step around it. And then I'll just kind of uh, try to get Adri's attention and ask her, you know what this is? And it is in fact a uh, holy symbol of Lolf. That's not great. Well, I could tell that, but what is it? Cool. I can tell uh, it's not great, Adrian. What is it? So as a player, I know a reasonable amount about Lolf and how that works in <laughs> Droish culture. Would it be okay, DM, if you ad-libbed for me <laughs> to explain how it works in a, in this particular realm? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, uh, Lolf is the deity of the drow, and... Um, as, as you saw in your short history of the drow that we passed around to everybody, um, what, a year ago? <laughs> um, she led them down under the earth into the uh, subterranean caverns. She promised them their own kingdom and, and delivered after a fashion. And, uh, you know, at this point in time, Adri, you, you know that there are uh, 13 priestesses of Lolth that rule all of drowish society. And... Um, this uh, obviously was not a priestess's uh, holy symbol. Uh, this was some low-level acolyte's holy symbol, but just the fact is here kind of really points to the fact that um, the drow had been raiding this particular um, establishment and uh, probably went and enslaved everybody that was here. Well, that's certainly... Doesn't bode well for us, but Adrian, I would suggest that you hold on to this holy symbol because with your makeup, makeup off and on this with the symbol, you may be our way in and or out of wherever we're going. I mean, what if I almost made it look like I captured you all? I can also make us look like Drow. Mm. That could also work. But we still need to find our way to the city. Obviously, this isn't it. 
Um, maybe we can uh, spread out and search quickly. Perhaps we could find some sort of modified map or a directional system written down somewhere in these buildings. Did we search the town hall when we were doing our investigation? Or um, Actually, not in particular, but certainly someone could go over there and, and really take a look. Because, yeah, we were going there originally to look for some maps. Mm -hmm. And, and as, as perhaps we shouldn't split up. I mean, there could be more patrols out there. No, we should never split up. Oh, come on. Splitting the party always works so well in Dungeons and Dragons. Especially down here. Especially down here. What possibly could go wrong? What possibly could go wrong? Cue the, if I'm smiling, it's already too late cup. Yes. Okay. And so you guys enter the town hall and the whole place has been completely tossed. Um, it just, you know, there are coffers lying upside down with their lids broken open. Um, you know, the uh, desks and, and tables are tossed and most of them are smashed to smithereens. Um, you notice over in the corner that there's a uh, stinking pile of uh, blankets as if maybe one of the people that you just ended up fighting perhaps um, actually, you know, you know, had refuge here, had his little nest here. Um, and you find yet more of those, key, you know, trinkets, you know, polished pieces of, of uh, stone and bones and things like that. Um, and it does have a really horrific smell. And uh, you did notice one of the, one of the uh, Darrow out there um, perhaps never, ever bathed in their life. Um, so it was uh, very interesting in all the wrong ways, but, um, you don't find anything. This, it looks like the entire place has been sacked. And like we said, most of the buildings here, the, uh, doors are kicked in and the windows are broken. Um, uh, a lot of times walls are torn down. So it, it, uh, it uh, seems that the drow did a pretty efficient job of raiding this particular place. Oh, we'll spend some time looking for the map. So, um, Probably a shot in the dark here. Can I use like a survival check to try to find out where they may have come from and left through? Yeah, sure. Um, so out, get out in the square there, you can uh, give me a survival check and see what you can find. Can I get Adri's help on this to get advantage? So can she's, you know, might kind of give me an idea of what to look for? Yeah, I'll help you. Well, she is helping you. I'm still rolling though, right? Mm-hmm. Survival, you said? Yep. 10. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the uh, destruction is so complete that it really doesn't uh, doesn't uh, show any signs that uh, can help you. So what do, what do you find there, Kraval? Uh, unfortunately, Adrian uh, is not able to help. 13 plus 7 for 20. 20? Okay. So yeah, you uh, poke about um, and like I said, uh, Adrian is kind of uh, befuddled by the signs in the dirt because obviously there was just several waves of combat it looks like going on. You, you see, you know, footsteps in the dirt and uh, blood stains and, and uh, little bits and pieces of, of leftover gear uh, that suggest that, yeah, this, this place was raided several times as if the, the drow found it, um, probably made an initial raid, grabbed a whole bunch of people, came back two or three more times uh, to the point where they had pretty much cleared out the entire town. And there's probably housing here for maybe several hundred um, but they do seem to, as, as you're going, um, if you know, the, the little crack in the wall that you guys squeeze through to get in here, um, if you go to the, uh, you know, total opposite side of the cavern, that seems to be where 
the funnel of uh, footsteps goes to, as if uh, the, the exit's over there somewhere. Well, that's the first sign we have of potentially finding what we're looking for in terms of your hometown and potentially, hopefully, this other phylactery. Guess we follow the steps. Okay. Yes, and so you uh, make it uh, to the far side of the of the town, and you do notice uh, that the destruction becomes progressively more uh, as you go along there. And yeah, there is a, a fairly, actually, fairly large opening. Um, it's probably about uh, eighteen feet wide, and uh, if you remember, the the ceiling was only about ten feet tall when when you got in, into the cavern, and about twenty feet tall in the middle of it, where the uh, town hall was, and it's back to about 10 feet tall again, but you know, the uh, entrance itself is, is pretty wide and uh, just kind of leads out into this large passage. Once again, looking like uh, something that uh, nature had, uh, had created, not something that was done by, by uh, mortal hands. And you're going to take off down there. Yeah. Okay. And um, it uh, begins to wend further deep, deep down into the, uh, earth and after about a good um, another couple of hours uh, you guys come to a really interesting cavern um, it has um, just basically a cavern just filled with various um, pillars and some of them seem to be um, you know, formed by subtraction, like the uh, um, the uh, water flowing through here had actually worn away the cavern and had just left the pillar standing. But clearly other ones are pillars of, uh, you know, stalactites and stalagmites that had met in the middle to make pillars. And uh, between the uh, the natural columns that uh, were, for were left behind and the uh, actual pillars themselves that were created. And obviously there's stalactites and stalagmites that drip over here and curtains that form in between. Uh, but it seems like this room goes maybe a thousand feet. Uh, seems to be it just, I mean, you just get that wide open area feel and maybe a couple hundred feet, it might be a thousand feet uh, wide. Uh, but the uh, pillars are very densely packed. There's probably no more than uh, 10 or 15 feet between of open space in between a pillar holding up the roof or connecting the roof to the floor. And you guys can just hear the tiny gurgling sound of a slowly moving body of water somewhere in front of you. Um, okay. Um, I want to look up and around, just make sure there's nothing like crawling amongst the stalactites that yeah. I can see. Give me an investigation. 26. Ooh, okay. So yeah, you uh, examine the ceiling in minute detail, and uh, there's a couple of things that give you pause, And uh, but and, uh, after taking a look for a few moments, you realize it's no more than just a, a strangely shaped uh, formation stalactite from the, uh, in the ceiling there. Um, and yeah, you don't see anything there, although, uh, as we said, there's only about 15 feet between columns. So it's really difficult to see, you know, more than, you know, a good 30 or 40 feet in front of you before the view is blocked by yet another column. Shall we make our way toward the water? It would give us a consistent direction. Indeed. Well, 
um, water really that flow toward a town, through it, and away from it. So the only question is whether or not we're below a town or above it. Since we're talking about other beings being nearby, do we want to have Adri sneak ahead and scout? Yes. Okay, how far ahead are you going to be, Adri? We'll keep it like it's been. About 30 30 feet ahead? Okay, so and Adriel will be just slightly out of view uh, to you um, with the uh, between the columns there, uh, just because she's uh, that much further ahead and the, the room is kind of packed. She, most most of the time you can keep her in view, but there are just times where there's just too many columns, almost like the fungal forest where she would disappear. And are you going to do uh, pass out a trace again as usual? Okay. Yes. And uh, so she, you could just see her stalking forward in her ninja-like fashion, and uh, after about. Um, 30 minutes of slow progress, Adri, the uh, sound of water becomes more and more prominent. And you realize it's got to be just around in front of you. Um, and after a few more moments, you, you catch the, uh, the glint of water, um, you know, in between the columns to your right and left. And uh, there must be some sort of a stream or something that flows just ahead. And uh, sure enough, you round the next column and flowing in a nice serpentine pattern between the various columns in a, in a little bit of a depression, probably no more than, than knee deep or so, is a stream probably about eight feet across of absolutely crystal clear looking water. And it just lazily chuggles along, um, just occasionally running over something that uh, makes some noises. But uh, aside of that, it just is, uh, you know, lazily moving from your right to your left and uh give me an uh perception check six okay yeah everything's dark here um so are you gonna let everyone catch up to you or what are you gonna do i suppose yeah i'll have them catch up to me so you guys find yourself on uh the one bank of a of the uh stream there uh, with everyone together. And, and now everybody make for me a perception check. Am I making one again? No, you already made yours. 25. 31. Ooh. That's some serious perception. Arlen? Eight. <laughs> and no one? Seven. Okay. So, uh, um, yeah. Arlen and, and no one and, and Adria are all just fascinated with... Uh, the various shapes in the columns and, and so forth like that. And, but, um, Cotter and, and, uh, Creval, uh, you notice you just catch a little bit of movement in the water out of the corner of your eyes. If we look closer, what do we see? There are little fish in the water. And the reason that the others didn't even notice them is they are almost transparent. That you can actually see their bones through the skin. Uh, it's it's a you know cross between being transparent and slightly pink, but you can actually like see their eyeballs. They're so transparent, and you can see their innards. And uh, they're just and the funny thing about the eyeballs though is while they do have them and they're dark uh, orbs in their heads, um, their eyelids are whatever are you know completely closed. You can see that the eyes are completely non-functional. They're completely blind cave fish and they're just kind of slowly moving along. And some of them are as little as, as two inches and some of them are maybe as big as a foot in size. 
uh, but they just kind of you know slowly swimming around the water. Um, can we see life finds a way even in the darkest of places? Yeah. Can we see teeth in them, or and point? I'll point them out to the rest of the group. Uh, nope, these seem to be just kind of fish type fishes, not uh, piranhas or anything. Right. Yeah. And um, actually, everybody roll for me nature. Nine. 17. 18. 2. 11. <laughs> so, no one. Um, <laughs> it occurs to you that, um, okay, obviously these are blind cave fishes, but where did the original fish come from that eventually, you know, many, many thousands of generations later turned turned invisible and, and blind? Um did these ones flow in from the surface? And so this water, you know, course joins to the surface somewhere, or is there an underground lake down here somewhere that this connects to and they came up from there? It's an interesting question. I also wonder if they're good to eat. <laughs> well, you could try to use your monkish skills and grab one. That's might I know if that's a good idea. Um, you, the um, blind cave fish was served very often on on the uh, drawish table. So, All right, yeah, go right ahead. Uh, besides that, though, um, I I know that eating fish might be nice, but catching fish is, with your hands is usually pretty loud. So we might not want to be doing that as we sneak through a cave, because I mean things like drinking water, so there might be things around. Well, you know. Those who are more brutish would certainly make a, a commotion while catching fish. But one uh, who is as deft as hand as I probably won't make much noise. I'm going to try to catch one. What do I do? Okay. So um, give for me an um, attack roll to see if you can grab them. And at the same time, give me a stealth roll to see if you can do it quietly. And Pass Without a Trace is still up, so keep that in mind. So I don't add proficiency to this, just my dexterity? Uh, it would just be a straight-up attack roll, yeah. Okay, so then that's an 18 okay. on the attack. I'm going to counter that with a fish's roll to dodge. And it does not dodge fast enough. So um, what's what's your stealth roll there? My combined roll is a 20. Okay. Which is hilarious because he rolled a 1. <laughs> but it's still a 20. I hate okay. this. I am, I'm still going to say, though, with a 1, that he ends up splashing some water onto the, you know, onto the, the shore there as he pulls the, the fish aside. But you just see Noan stock up there, kind of crouch down, slowly advance his hand over the water. And as one of about the, uh, the 12-inch long ones uh, slides underneath, just... Boom! Pounces right in the water and sloshes it right up onto the shoreline there. And it just sits there flopping, um, unless you're going to grab it or something. I'll grab it. Okay. And and it does make a bit of noise as it, it, it slaps around until you grab it. Um, and uh, you, have, you have a fish in your hand. But it is too within the pass without a trace. So it flops I mean, noiselessly. Well, it's, it's not actually part of the party. So <laughs> yeah, see, see, what it, see what it reads there. Think it's any creature you want. It's a. So in this case, it would be passenger gullet without a trace. 
each creature I choose within 30 feet of me. Okay. So I would say all the creatures. Doesn't he some surprised fish who are suddenly swimming silently? Yes. So the party, the fish, that flump over there. Sorry. Is there really a flump? No, I just made that up. Oh. But then I made every up, everything up. So there we go. I mean, the fish came out and she yeah. said, yeah, make that be quiet too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you slosh the fish up there, it kind of flops around, you grab it, and what are you going to do? you got a fish in your hand. I'll give it to Creval. Must be hungry. Okay, Creval, you've been presented with a fish. It's nearly transparent. You can actually see it like its little tiny heart beating. How big is it? It's about 12 inches long. It's probably, it's real. it's pretty slender though. It's kind of more, it looks more like, um, more like, uh, you know, a herring than a bass. Well done. Clean it, gut it, and prep it, and we'll have it later. Okay, so you, you go and take its innards out, which is actually really easy because you can see them all ahead of time. You know exactly yep. where they are. Now they're outards. Yes. Okay. And everybody roll for me perception. 22. 22. 13. 12. 7. So once again, Arlen is fascinated by that stalactite that looks almost like a, uh, a snake crawling a up a, a tree. Um, and, uh, but uh, um, Creval and Cotter. Um, and actually, I'm going to say it's Cotter because Creval was probably still um, busy with uh, the fish. Uh, everybody else is kind of uh, examining that uh, the fish that, that uh, Creval caught, uh, has in his hands and he's, he's busy gutting. And um, for no apparent reason, you kind of just you know, straighten up and look around. And there's just this perfect alignment of the columns uh, in front of you across the creek from where you are. And you look up and at just the extreme range of your vision, there's a figure. A what? A figure. A I'm humanoid a... figure. Oh, I heard a finger. Only Cotter sees this. And Cotter? Yeah. It's a drow. It's a drow? Oh. It's a male drow. His white hair um, falls loosely around his shoulders. He's dressed in um, all black leather armor, uh, carrying apparently two scimitars, one on each hip. And you can't help but notice that along with him is a black panther. And he's right there. And then all of a sudden, gone. He just dodges behind the column. So I can assume that he saw us. He was looking right at you. You guys okay. actually like locked eyeballs. I'm going to, I'm going to inform the group. I don't know how abruptly I should do this. If we're trying to still sort of be kind of sneaky. Like, if if he saw if he looked right at us, I think trying to be sneaky isn't so apt. I mean, yeah, and I and I do want to just as a blanket generalization here is that as long as I uh, if pass without a trace goes down, I will recast it. Okay, sounds good. But I mean, there's a difference between like not being extremely sneaky and not being kind of sneaky. Like I could just light the sword on fire, but that would be a big there over here icon. Um, but I'm going to, how large are the pillars? Are they like a foot across? Are they, some of them are a foot across. Other ones, like I said, seem to be formed by subtract subtraction where the, the 
room had been washed away by eons of water flowing through it. And so some of those are maybe uh, four to 10 feet across. Right. Um, most of them are probably in about the two to four foot range. Right. So it's not really a, we can all hide behind a pillar. I mean, we no, can one of those 10 footers. Yeah. You can do the Scooby-Doo stack. Hey, I guess. I'm, gonna, I'm going to inform the rest of the group though, that there's someone out there and they've seen us. And so, um, Creval, um, Cotter just kind of puts his hand on your shoulder while you're gutting the fish, and um, you you look up and he's pointing down the the uh, this little like I said this little uh, gallery between the the pillars that extends off into the distance, and you just see the flick of a tail of some large cat as it uh, disappears behind the pillar there, like I said, at the extreme range of your vision. What did you see? A drow and a panther. And as soon as I noticed him, he went into hiding. I'll keep my eyes open. Why don't you go whisper over to Adrian and see if she knows anybody about a drow with a panther? The drow part I get. The panther, not so much. But yeah, I'm going to indicate to everyone to stay alert and then tell them what i saw sounds very good um so um cotter informs you what are you gonna do what do i know about this well there is a legendary drow that went and forsook drow society and uh, he was a ranger, and uh, he he's almost unspoken of in Drowish society because he did uh, shun Drow the Drow society and turn his back on it, and uh, also went to the surface. And but legend tells of this uh, incredible warrior that uh, had a panther as a, a companion. He was a, he was a you know a beast ranger. Um, and, uh, so that, you know, he's sort of a Robin Hood type character in, in, uh, drow society. And we've never had any bad experiences with Robin Hood type characters before. Not a one. You know, it occurs to me, we haven't stopped to rest recently and. Actually, you haven't stopped at all. It's and getting it's getting late. You guys have been I mean, you've been almost a full day uh down here searching beneath the earth and you've been involved in a fairly large couple of combats. And I'm feeling quite beat up and drained. It may not be a bad idea to set up a camp somewhere and set watch. But regardless if it's a friend or foe, if we run into anything, we're gonna be in some problems. You might as well stay here and, you know, eat some of the fish. Okay. Are you going to have it raw? Is there a way you can cook it? I think a fire would be a bad idea. Agreed. Well, um, there's a problem that who... there's no like firewood. I could just light my sword and fire and magically. That's not That's how true. it works. It, I mean, it can does... you like, whoever's able to like cast fire, can you just like hold it in your hand? <laughs> um, It will explode. No, you. but uh, you do have a flame tongue sword and you could just hold the, the fish over the flame tongue. If we While they're to. arguing this, I'm going to be pulling out like some herbs and crushing them up and pulling out some little root vegetables from the pack, crush, chopping those up. 
slicing the fish up onto like a little smooth rock tray and kind of sitting down like what you guys never had raw fish before Well, you know, Cotter obviously went to the pokey bars in uh, in uh, Porta Magnum, you know, the, they have in the first circle. Well, and in my stint in the wild, I would have eaten raw fish from time to time. Yeah. It's a delicatessen. And I imagine it's not that weird for Dro to eat it either. Normally we serve it with a spicy sort of green herb and a, sort of a salty dark sauce, but unfortunately we don't want to have that to... Uh, put on this but still it's fresh and in the raw it'll be all right but you go in your pouch and you do have 11 herbs and spices wow nope not 11 herbs just a couple <laughs> sounds good okay so are you gonna flame tongue it or are you gonna just uh make a sashimi out of it and eat it that way sashimi okay i think that yeah not not lighting a fire is a good idea sounds like a plan um and so um how are you going to just have the one fish or are you going to try to get more fish? I'm personally fine. Well, also with like rations as well. Yeah, the food we already have. Yeah. So just, just a little sashimi if anybody wants a little extra on the side. Okay, good. I think that might be helpful. Do we understand where we're at better? Sounds like a plan. Okay, so you guys settle down and um, have a little, little uh, sushi there. And then um, I'm gonna. You're settling down for the night, then. What night there is? It's always night down here. We have any sort of way to tell what the actual time is? Not really. I mean, obviously, um, for those that live under the earth, they, uh, they just have their natural body clock that tells them. Um, and uh, Adria, after you've been in the underdark for a while, you'll probably sink back into that again. But. Uh, Right now, you're you're still used to uh, tracking the rise and set of the sun in the overworld. So let's set up some watches. Okay. I'll take the third watch. I'll take one. So Pass Without a Trace isn't a concentration spell. It just lasts, right? Yeah. So I, I, I mean, and it lasts like, in, oh, what it is. It's an hour, right? It is a concentration. I take that back. Sorry. Okay. Don't think we need to worry about passing without a trace right now. We're not going to break out the camping gear per se. We just need to. I figure we're not moving, so. Yeah. Uh, we may want to move away from the water just in terms of something coming here for a drink, but other than that, mm -hmm. sleep where you can lay. And as I don't have a watch just yet. Wherever we are, I'm going to want to try to find a little niche, perhaps under a column, and hide there. Well, the uh, Obviously, the various flowstone shapes do um, give some uh, ability to do that, but uh, there's not like there's a cave or anything like that. But there's definitely yeah, kind of like a, a regular nook that you could uh, sit back into and be more concealed. I'll do that. Okay. It's all cave. All cave all the time. Okay, so... Um, Arlen's one. Who's two? Craval. Okay. Three is Cotter. Who's four? I'll take the last one. Okay. So um, then Arlen as first watch. Obviously, you're kind of on your toes because that drow did appear. Um, and uh, why don't you give me a uh, perception roll to see if you see anything. Fifteen. Okay. And you do not see anything in the night. Um, it just... Uh, all you hear is the 
slow whoosh of the water going by in, in just a, a little distance away. And occasionally there's a drip drip of water somewhere deep in the middle of this uh, cavern like there usually is. And uh, actually give me um, a 15, give me one more perception check. Two. Two? Okay. No, that's about what you hear. Just that. But nothing else happens in, in the night with you there. And then uh, Kraval? Uh, the first one is a 27. Okay. Very good. So uh, I won't even need another roll with a 27. So you uh, hear the same sorts of things, but then way off to your left um, in the direction that the water is flowing towards, you kind of can he- just very faintly hear the sound of kind of rushing water. Like picking up a pace or going over a cliff type stuff? Yeah. something. It's it's like rapids or waterfall or something like that, but it, uh, it uh, definitely... Uh, and you know, exits the cavern way off to the left, and in, in some sort of some sort of white water. Okay. okay. And Cotter. Twenty-four. Okay. And you also experience the same thing that uh, Creval does. Uh, but aside of that, nothing happens. Um, there's just like an occasional flop of a fish in the water. That's about it. And then finally, Adri. And you are you are well rested at this point in time from your nap. And, uh, but you're also very much on the tips of your toes because you now know that there's a drow out there and the drow knows that you're here. I'm not really sure that I know that now because I rolled a five. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you don't hear anything, um, aside of just the, the sound of the water, but, and there's a couple of starts where something happens like a, a rock tumbles, but it might've just been, the sound of you know maybe a piece of stalactite or something coming loose and tumbling to the floor, but uh, nothing nothing comes and bothers you in the night. Okay, so the next morning, um, you feel all rested. At least you you think it's morning. It's definitely uh, sometime later. Everyone got a, a couple of good uh, so, you know solid hours of sleep there, and all of your spells are back and all of your uh, things. Does anybody need to do any healing or anything? Any, roll any hit dice. I'm good. We're good. Okay. Okay. And there you are. You're next to the stream still, um, or very close to the stream, in the uh, room full of columns. And uh, what are you going to do? Well, follow that stream. What do we think is more likely, heading toward where the water seems to get louder or heading upward where the water is quieter? I would think... We should maybe go where it's louder. Adri, do you remember a river running through the city? Do I? There's not a river running through the city, no, but obviously there's many water uh, courses that uh, crisscross the underdark. Um, do did I do I remember do I remember um if there was like any sort of river running through a city if or just thinking of the rivers in the Underdark, uh, if cities tended to be built upstream to them, like higher ground, or if they tended to be in like deeper valleys. Uh, basically, they were built into uh, very large caverns. Um, and um, obviously having water running through the cavern could be a problem. So the caverns are usually dry. Um, but obviously you're under the earth. So uh, acquiring water is not that difficult. Uh, it tends to flow out of the walls 
just about everywhere you go. So uh, you know in, in Karst that uh, they developed a very elaborate cistern system that then would be plumbed into the city itself. So somewhere that wouldn't have a river would be more likely. Uh, yes, exactly. Somewhere, somewhere dry you can build on. So probably upstream? Um, you would guess that you're not nearly deep enough in the earth to uh, be on the level of Karst at this point. Mm. You, had to, you had to climb up and up and up and up out of uh, the depths of the earth to get to the surface when you fled. Okay. I was just thinking because like, if it's lower, then maybe more water would collect in the ground, but I guess that makes sense. So I guess downstream because water still flows downward even down here. Seems likely. Yeah. Okay, so um, that that would take your path to the left. Um, obviously, the drow you saw was directly in front of you um, uh, across the, the water, but you'll take a left instead, which may be the, the wise path to go, just to go opposite direction of where the, the drow went. Sounds good. Okay. And we'll probably be like, 20 50 feet from the stream just so that well that may not be possible um, okay. you know it uh, the columns are tight in some places and wide in others um, you can probably uh, start out about that far but as you're going along it's going to get more and more narrow and you won't be able to uh, maintain that kind of distance and uh, you uh, pad along there um, as silently as you can with paths without a trace going and after um, maybe only about 30 minutes of going, you get to the edge of this cavern and it just kind of funnels down and um, there's only the stream uh, that continues on into the passageway. The, uh, the passage itself is, is the stream and it, you can hear it actually tumbling down uh, rapids in front of you. Um, and, uh, and, and by rapids, I'm not talking like big old class five rapids that you find in the mountains of the surface world, but it definitely is going downhill rapidly over, uh, over, um, rocks and, and tumbled bits of stalactite and stalagmites. And it's, it's definitely kicking up and, and making white water there. And it looks like it maybe tumbles down. It's hard to tell because obviously it, uh, it, uh, is a low ceiling, but it seems like it only tumbles down maybe about 40 feet uh, at a kind of a low angle, um, just enough to, to speed the water up. And then it, uh, it just disappears from sight. Do we think we can go down there without getting seriously injured? Well, it seems like it's doable. Or do we want to? Someone should go down first, maybe with a rope tied to them. It's not a bad idea. I'll do it. Okay. So uh, you tie a, a rope around Adri's waist and uh, she starts heading down there and you are going to have to wade in the water. Um, so, uh, and, and it is... You can't just teleport? Um, actually, well, you can't with a rope on you. But you could teleport if you want. I mean, oh, I guess that's true. Because I could like bring the rope with me if I was holding it, but it wouldn't... Yeah. Just bring the what you could rope. do is you could teleport with the rope down there, tie it to an arrow, shoot it back at one of the people in the party, see if you can hit them. I mean, aside from like actually hitting a party member, that's not a <laughs> That's the best part. Actually, you can shoot it at me. I'll just deflect missiles and then <laughs> and throw it back. Arrow. And throw it back <laughs> and, and return it. Yeah. That's not a bad idea, actually. Well, deflect actually, missiles. Yeah. 
Well, obviously it wouldn't, it, you know, physics wouldn't work that way. You could take a thread or something, but yeah. So are you going to just weigh down or are you going to try to teleport down and have somebody else weigh down or what are you going to do? I mean, why, why genuinely can't I take the rope and then shoot the rope back? Well, it, the rope is, as you can imagine, you know, a good, what, quarter inch, half inch hempen rope. So uh, to be able to hold somebody's weight. So uh, a, a tiny arrow wouldn't go very far with a rope attached to it. But she's really good but at I'll shooting. I'll just wait. Okay. So uh, Adri starts going down there and all the water in the subterranean area is just numbingly cold. Um, it's probably somewhere in the 50s. And uh, you're wet up to mid-thigh probably within the, the first 10 feet there just because of the water being kicked up there. Um, so uh, give me a acrobatics roll uh, to see if you can make it down this uh, with the rope attached to you. 20. Okay. And you just see her kind of sure-footedly uh, you know, going down, down. The, she's getting progressively wetter as she goes down the, the thing. But she uh, gets down and, and just kind of disappears under the overhang at the very end uh, but you can still see the the rope is is uh, nice and taut there so she's definitely still has it and uh, Adri you kind of get down to the bottom and get under that overhang and it opens up into a much much larger chamber and after the, the last little bits of of uh, white water it just flows with you know little bits of bubbles and foam out into a vast underground lake. It has to be several acres in size. And there's just a thin strip of uh, sandy shoreline around the edge of it. Is there anything that I can tie the rope off onto? Um, not really. The best you could hope to do is just to brace it on your side. Like I said, there's pretty much just sandy uh, sandy shoreline here and, and a, a big, wide, black lake. Well, I'll just be the brace then okay and so um you guys see the the rope kind of go taut like uh adri's pulling out who's holding it on the the, the top end um i'll be the anchor as it works i think i'm okay. the larger piece yeah and you're, and you're also the strongest one so that makes sense okay so who's going next i'll go next okay and i'm um, just gonna hold on to the rope as you go down there so give me an acrobatics roll i'm gonna lose 28 so okay and you sure-footedly make your way down the rapids. Once again, you're you're wet, wetted all the way to the waist by the time you get down there. But uh, and it's uh, it is mind it's numbingly cold, but uh, you make it no problem. And who's next? I will. And I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna help Adri brace. Okay, good. So I'll grab the rope too. And Arlen. <laughs> I got a two. Okay. So Arlen gets out right into midstream and just whoop, his foot goes out from under him. Uh, give me a, uh, another acrobatics roll this time to try to grab the rope that uh, you're holding onto there. 16. Okay. So uh, you see kind of the comical thing of, the, you know, his foot goes out from under him and down he goes and both hands reach and grab the rope. Um, and uh, Creval, uh, you, you have no trouble bracing him. And uh, Adrian and Noan, you just feel the, the rope all of a sudden go very tight like somebody's pulling on it and uh cotter and and uh and creval get the uh humorous uh view of watching you know uh arlen go down on his back and pretty soon only his head and his arms are above the water and half the time his head isn't above the water and uh he kind of struggles back up there and, and give me another acrobatics to see if you can make it's it down. it's gonna be stupid 
I don't even know where that dice went. It's right there next to you. Well, it's not doing a good job for you, so maybe not use that one. No. Six. (laughs) Okay. So he gets about ten more feet down, and whoop, down he goes. And and this time, um, roll for me another acrobatics to grab that rope. Fifteen. Yeah, so once again, same thing. You know, he's, he's down there, and... And water is coursing all over him, and, and he pulls himself back up. And one more acrobatics to see if you can make down the rest of the way. Nine. Okay. No, he gets about ten more feet, and oh, down he goes. He, he just seems to pick every wet, slippery stone, <laughs> slow, and and give me uh, give me another acrobatics to see if you can grab that rope. Eight. Okay. This time, it just your hands are so cold and so numb, you can't even hold on, and you take two points of damage as you just kind of bounce off the rocks and a- Adrian and uh, Noan, you see all of a sudden um, Arlen just kind of tumbling down the uh, the flume of the rocks and he's headed right for the lake. So uh, you, you guys could make a uh, really quick acrobatics roll to see if you can grab him as he goes by. 25 for me. Okay. And uh, 24 for me. So the two of you just kind of grab him uh, one shoulder a piece and drag him over the shoreline. And, and he is completely soaked and through. For hypothermia. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's like 50 degree water and you're soaked in it. So that's not good. And I wear cloth. And you wear cloth. Yeah. Okay. You probably wear like linen cloth instead well, of cloth. The, the nice cloth. thing is you have the, the glamoured armor so you can make it at least look like it's dry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, if yeah. it's not. Okay. And Cotter? Yeah, I'll get on next. So acrobatics. Acrobatic. Nineteen. Okay, and once again, you kind of fight your way down, and you're wet to the waist by the time you get there, but you have no trouble. And finally, Craval, you're gonna have to uh, uh, go down without any support there. Hmm. We should have done this in a different order. Would this be a good time to cast Control Water and just do the whole Moses thing? Sure, why not? I think it would have been better if you did it before Arlen got a complete soaking, but. <laughs> That might be super loud. I don't have the actual spell. I just want to see Owen give me the look. <laughs> you got that it, look. It was a good face to see. It was a good look. Okay, so acrobatics or yes. athletics? Acrobatics. Try to keep your footing. Was it athletics? Uh, will danger sense apply for the barbarian skill for getting advantage? What does that help you with? It might just. Well, it's your call. You're the DM. How, how does it read? Anything you can see or aware of that would require like a dex save or a dex roll, you can get advantage on? Yes, I would say you get advantage on this because you, you, you know the ways of nature and you know where to put well, your feet. That's a 12. Oh, 12 total? Yeah. Okay, so um, you uh, unfortunately um, go and in, in, uh, stumble on, on a wet rock there. Give me one more acrobatics to see if you can save yourself, though, with a roll of 12. Uh, that's really... a natural 20. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you have a heart-stopping moment where one of the, the stones kind of slips under your foot, but you're able to kind of put a hand down and brace yourself and get back up there. And uh, you, you see uh, everyone sees Craval fighting his way down through the, uh, through the passage and comes out the other side. And uh, so, Craval, you get down there, and everybody's kind of wet to the waist except Arlen, who's completely soaked. I have but an I don't idea. Um, Adri, you can cast Darkness, right? I can. So if everyone gets sort of close to the sword, and then you can make it magically dark, and then I can light the sword, we'll still be warm, especially like Arlen, who needs it more. We can still warm a bit and not like 
announced the entire open cavern that we're here. Yeah, that would Not work. Not a bad idea. Okay. Uh, a secondary idea to that? Does Arlen happen to have prestidigitation? The cantrip? No. Never mind. Okay, so uh, you guys uh, get kind of close together and uh, Adri casts darkness and, and uh, you light the sword, Cotter, and you can feel the warmth of the sword, uh, Arlen. Um, and uh, you can kind of spend a few minutes there just cuddling up as close as you can to the sword without going over. Which is probably an interesting experience considering you can't see it at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you are at least reasonably dry by the time you're done. That's better than hypothermia. Yes. Okay. And uh, so you drop the the uh, darkness spell, and you find yourselves on the shore of a vast underground lake. The ceiling isn't too terribly high. Uh, once again, it's about 10 feet high where you are, and it's probably about uh, 30 feet high, maybe in the middle of the lake. But like we said, it's, this cavern seems to span probably three or four acres of size of nothing but just still water just you know barely rippling from the water coming down from the stream that you guys were just at and there's like i said a thin sandy shoreline that seems to extend all the way around it at least as far as you can see on either side where you are i don't suppose it looks familiar to adri at all does it you don't ever remember being here but obviously there are uh, various underground lakes that uh, the drow would vacation on for lack of a better term you know recreation uh, can I just look around for tracks? Okay, give me a survival roll. Uh, that's not bad. That's 24. Okay. There are some tracks here, uh, but the footprints aren't like anything you've ever seen before. But something does definitely come down and, and uh, sip at this lake from time to time. But definitely not like humanoid footprints. Definitely not. not at least not where you are. Hmm. Well, I would suggest we sort of take a direction and follow the lake. I mean, we're kind of being here random unless we can find a guide of some sort. I mean, is this beach surround the lake or are we going to have to make some sort of boat or something? Well, as far as you can see, the sandy shoreline um, is, you know, a good anywhere from three to ten feet wide. And it goes as far as you can see in either direction. So it, it does seem at this point in time that the there is a shoreline. But, um, you know, what happens an acre away from you down over there, who knows? The, the walls might come beneath the water or not. I know that we want to get on a boat across a lake in the Underdark. No, but at the same time, I don't know that I want to keep wandering around blindly and completely clueless in the Underdark. We need we... to find some sort of place that can probably get a guide. Yeah. Did we end up on the right or the left side of this stream? You end up on the right side. All right, then let's go to the right so we don't have to cross the river again. Yeah, and it, the unfortunate truth there, uh, Drew, is that uh, since the um, fungal people, the, the myconoids, had collapsed the tunnel that the drow were using to get to the surface there, um, you are wandering around, just kind of lost, trying to find where this... But um, the fact that uh, the drow were raiding the Darrow city implies that uh, yeah these caverns must collect you know connect at some point in time although we did go down a direction people probably don't usually go so that might not be that great that's true that's true let's just continue around the lake to the right a bit okay. and um 
you uh, continue on, and after about an hour of, of uh, slow going along the, the shoreline, um, you find that there is a cleft in the rock um, to the right of you, um, and there are, in fact, uh, more of these paw prints or footprints or whatever prints that lead down to the water and back again. So apparently you found a, a, one of the various entrances to this cavern. Uh, there may be more. There may not. It's hard to tell. But there's definitely one here. This is as good as any. guess let's check it out. Okay. And it actually goes up. Not at a, a uh, very steep angle, but it's definitely going up and not down. And um, after um, about another, once again, 30 minutes of, of uh, following this one along and... Um, it gets very narrow at a couple of places. There's one time where you just kind of have to scrape on your bellies underneath to, uh, to get under the, the cavern. Another time you have to kind of shuffle through sideways, especially Creval, to uh, get between the narrow caverns. Um, but after about 30 minutes, it opens up into another cavern. And um, this one, once again, has... It's not as columnated as the previous one is, but there's definitely... Um, a good half a dozen or more columns that connect the floor to the ceiling. And these ones seem to be all flowstone. And then there's little stalactites and stalagmites that uh, stick up and down. Uh, but it's probably a good, I don't know, 100 feet across or so, and uh, or wide, I should say, and probably three quarters that way across. And you can just see another entrance on the far side of the cavern. Where do the tracks go? Um, they seem to, to well, the, that's the problem. Um, the... Uh, Stone of the floor is so solid there really aren't any tracks. Um, actually, everyone, give me survival roll. Oh. Eleven. Four. Eleven. Nine. Eleven. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you basically um, any tracks that you saw down at the water's edge, you can't make heads or tails of them up here. They, um, if if creatures do come into this room, they don't seem to. Uh, you know, the stone is too hard to leave any tracks behind. Um, but, uh, I mean, you could guess they go straight across to the passage at the other side. I have to admit, I really don't like this. This place makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Do we want to skirt around the outside of the cavern and not go straight through it? Let's just go straight through it. I mean, we, we're taking a long time making our way through these caverns. That's um, true. Maybe we should just go forth boldly. That in itself might keep predators at bay. I think I have a feeling that judging by the size of these caverns and how big we know our own world to be, we could be down here our entire lifetime and never find what we're looking for. So, Well, we're committed now. And that's not entirely true. The world's yeah. going to end in like six months, right? Yeah. It was more like two or three, but yeah. The upper world. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to stride boldly into the center of the room then? Or I think sneakily. Would be okay. Why not? And, and it's kind of fun because the uh, the passage you come out of is, is maybe all of about eight feet tall when, when you entered, but the room vaults upwards um, almost immediately as you come into it. It's uh, It's got a very high peak. It's probably maybe about um, 60 feet tall at the top and and just the beautiful columns of flowstone that just extend from floor to ceiling uh, and then of course obviously stalactites and stalagmites here and there and everywhere 
And um, so you get just about to the middle of the room, and all of a sudden, off to your both your right and left, you hear just kind of a grating, rasping breath. And out of the darkness on either side, at the limit of your vision there, you see two huge figures that step out from between the columns there. Um, and they are hideous. Um, you remember the trolls that you, that you ran into uh, down in when you were mining for uh, Nola down there in the, in the Dwarven passageways? This looks mm -hmm. like that except they are half again as big, if not bigger. And they have multiple heads and multiple arms and horrifically even like mouths and faces that are just seem to come out of parts of their body. And they just kind of fix you with their eyes and they say something in a guttural t language and they start rushing at you. And that's where we're going to stop today. Okay, uh, well, that was fun. Uh, I didn't expect the players to have so much fun with the cavefish, but there you are. Um, and actually, that's one of those things where your personal experiences, the more you can get, the better it is. Uh, my parents took us to a number of caves back in the Midwest when we lived back there. And one of the things I was always fascinated with was the blind cavefishes and the whole ecosystem that uh, belongs there. And it was kind of neat to see it pop up here. Um, and uh, that was also very interesting, too. I, I divined that the party might want to follow the water. So I had that one ready just in case. But they could also have gone across the water and right out there. And obviously the uh, survival paradigm is you follow the water downhill till it gets to a city because it always goes to a city eventually sooner or later but there's no telling if they're going to do it or not so that was kind of neat to do and then uh, the last thing was the uh the sword heating the sword drying um you know there's not really anything that specifically says that uh, you can use the uh, flame tongue sword to go and dry your wet clothes out but this is another one of those situations where hey you know that was a really brilliant idea that the party had so Dungeon Master's job in those cases is to say yes, because that was just pretty good. So anyways, what's going to happen to the party now? They've made it through the lake, they've made it through the rapids, they've made it through the uh, colonnaded uh, chamber, but there's now two giant troll-like beings rushing at them from either side. What's going to happen next? We'll have to wait for the next episode to find out. Until then, let us know what you think. Rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at relicofthepastpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Relic of the Past on Twitter and Relic of the Past Podcast on Facebook. Articles and artwork are available at poolmedia.podbean.com. And thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head. <laughs>